Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Mullen Studios podcast. It is um, my pleasure <laughs> to come to you live or at the time from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am thinking about how computers are simply a bunch of micro like like it's a it's a motherboard with circuits that are sending electrical signals incredibly fast to one another and then they go into this smaller unit that does a lot of really fast calculations and people have figured out how to write code that connects all of these things together. And I'm thinking about the internet and I'm thinking about, uh, all the machines that we have today that are connected. And I'm thinking about AI. Um, and so that's what this episode is going to be about. And just for the reference, um, I, I, <laughs> I've been thinking about this stuff for a little while and actually let me, let me go back a few days, actually a few weeks, because really I've been thinking about this ever since I read the meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And this is such an awesome time to be alive because if you really want to, you can go back and read some of, you know, the um, ancients, uh, the philosophers, um, and see how they saw the world. And even though we've got all these things that seem like they're so life-changing, those philosophies that were discussed almost 2000 years ago, I think Marcus Aurelius was probably about 1800 years ago. He lived around 150. Um, so uh, still about 2000 years yeah. Um, you know, 2000 years ago and have stuff still apply to today is actually, um, amazing. And, you know, some, some people say like, ah, well, you know, it's 2000 years ago. What, how, how does it apply to today? And it's like, no, 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 read it again. You know, like read it again. It's if you, if, if you, apply what he's saying. So specifically, let me get into what I'm actually talking about because specifically, uh, I should probably actually get the book. So I will be right back. Uh, I forget what page it's on, but my, my copy is the penguin classics version. I got it at Barnes and Noble. Um, this is, it was published uh, it's 2006, uh, whatever. Um, I think this is the most commonly available version nowadays, but anyways, for reference, um, I think, fuck. I mean, it's, it's, uh, he, I mean, it's a concept that he kind of gets back to regularly. Uh, I'm not looking at, I'm not going to, I'm not going to reference the book specifically, but it's a concept that he gets back to pretty regularly, which is that if you, if you look at something for what it is, there, there is actually one specific spot. Um, he actually talks about sex and he says like, if you actually think about what sex is, it's just a membrane entering uh, you know, uh, an orifice and that's all that it really is, is like that. Um, and, and if you, so taking that same concept, it's like, okay, what, what is a computer? Like, what is a computer actually doing? And the answer is, is, you know, it's, it's a, plastic board with circuits on it that get signal. I'm not trained as a computer scientist. So like, 
I'm going to get this super wrong. Uh, I mean, I've messed around with computers myself and like, I enjoy, I really enjoy them. And, and what it is, is it's a, it's a tool to help people connect with other people among other things too. It's a processor as well. So, you know, crunching some numbers there's it's a it's a really impressive tool that is amazing and i think that what marcus aurelius is getting at and what i've sort of gotten at over the last week is that you know we we become so emotionally attached to the idea of sex but whenever we break it down and say okay what it actually is it's like well, on the flip side, there's also the emotional side of all of these things, which is like, okay, so like there's a lot of emotion tied up in sex. So that's why we go back to it and and people get obsessed with sex and people get obsessed with computers. And I think that that's happened a lot in our society today. And I, it's for me especially, and it's been really interesting to read this and see that happen and see a computer in a new light because it's hard for me to just regularly be like, Oh yeah, this is just a tool that I'm using to speak to people right now. And I can meet these people in real life. But the amazing thing about the internet is that there are so many and I could talk to, you know, in theory, this could be listened to somebody in listened by somebody in a very remote part of the world. However it gets there, I don't know, but like, you know, somebody could wander in there with a phone and be like, Hey, I've got this friend and he records a podcast, go listen to it. And it's like, in theory that could happen. And it's like, even, even, you know, that possibility is enough to sort of keep you around a computer for a lot of time, you know, that, uh, that you could, connect with somebody so far away. And on the flip side of the flip side that I've double flip sided. So this is back to, this is back to real life now. (laughs) Um, it's, it's really easy to lose sight of what is actually happening, you know, and where, what's happening in the moment. Um, and that's why, you know, like reducing, I don't think that, I don't think the point of this is like to reduce sex down to like, like only thinking of it as a membrane entering an orbit. Like that's not, that's not fair either. You know, like you can't be doing that and you can't really, shirk off how amazing computers are either and how useful a tool it is because some of the connotation that comes with like, Oh, okay, we're spending too much time on this. It's like, yes. And this is also, you know, a very useful way to communicate and you can communicate a lot. I just think that there's a lot missing as well. And that's where like AI and all of that gets really scary. Um, and really interesting because then it's like, okay, I'm not the, this computer is close enough to where it's like, Oh, it might be a person on the other side or like you spend so much time with the computer that it's become a person almost. And we're getting so close to being able to like add in such quirks to that. But then at the end of the day, like it is still, it is still always going to be a reflection of someone else, you know, like I'm, I'm staring at Adobe audition right now as as much as it is a program, it's designed. So somebody's thought process is going in. So, okay, what are the most useful tools that we have in this program? These are the ones that are going to be available off the beginning. Um, The text is going to be legible. There's so many decisions going into just how this program is designed. It's not a smart program. Like it's not learning from me and doing its own thing. Some of the programs are, and that's the most interesting thing is like they're, 
being able to do this, I will say amazing thing, which is see one thing and associate it with another and then move and create something new. Like that is a very impressive feat. And it's also like not all that is required to be human. It is a human characteristic, but you know, that's not everything. And all of the references that it has are like, you know, it, it is kind of crazy because like, if you follow the, the rabbit hole down stuff, it's like, it's like, okay, well eventually it starts getting emotional references and being able to look at all of the stories that we've put together. And it's like, it could learn all of that. It's like, you know, wow. Interesting. It's still, it's still like, it's still processing based on like the best. This is where thinking about it in terms of Tron, like uh, where it's clue, clue, like (laughs) going back to Tron. uh, Good thing there's a podcast episode on that podcast. Episode number three is about Tron. And in that episode, I talk a lot about the aesthetics, but the story of Tron is actually that there's a, an evil AI character that's created by Jeff Bridges character or Kevin Flynn. And he's trying to like create the perfect system. And it sort of feels like that's what would happen with an AI, which is like, okay, well it's going to, it's going to get rid of the imperfect things. But then you sort of think about, it's like, the imperfect things are the best things. <laughs> it's it's like, ah, that didn't work out exactly how I wanted it. All right, well, I'm just going to roll with it. And sometimes that stuff gets really, really harmful and hurtful. And you like that's where a computer can't understand that. It's like you just got to accept it. You know, you can't <laughs> you can't. Uh, can't understand that you know you can't do that like be evil in that way just like getting rid of things you don't like like that's there's a place for everything um and that's a really interesting like place to get to with computers like thinking about how advanced everything can get and amazing everything is it's like there's still a place for all of the other stuff too, the stuff that's outside of the machined design perfection that we are so good at in today's society, you know, looking out at street, uh, street grids and street outlines in Minneapolis, looking at buildings like so well designed, so put together. And that's where Marcus Aurelius comes in is like, but it is, and it's still designed, still worked. Um, It is still what it is not it's, it hasn't changed at all really. Um, Even if a computer gets good enough to become able to associate things and, and build and put things together. It's like, yeah, it just isn't human. (laughs) It's just not. And that's, um, that's a really, through COVID, I think this is a super interesting place to be because a lot of people probably got to the point where I know for me, especially like I lived alone through COVID and I had a lot of time alone. And the only thing I really had to get me through any of that was kind of my phone and my technology to stay connected to the outside world because it's like, I knew that this was going on. I knew what was happening and I knew to be a good member of society, I had to stay inside. And I had a situation at home where I was, uh, my, my grandma, who's much older 
was living at home at the time. And so my family wanted to keep her safe. I wanted to keep her safe. So I stayed in Minneapolis and my family was in Kansas. And so I went through all of that time, especially, you know, March, 2020 through August. Um, and then I had some people move back in. Um, but that whole summer, really all I had was a computer and it's still interesting to me that that was a, an effective form of getting through that. And, and then on the other side, understanding that, you know, I, I, I just spent a lot of time alone really, because it wasn't a human that I was actually spending time with. I was with stories. I was surrounded by music and uh, the speakers and everything, but in terms of actual social interaction, there was nothing. And it's, um, that amount of time alone is like, Oh wow. That's, um, that was crazy. <laughs> uh, and that was my experience with COVID. I still, I guess I still haven't really understood that. It's just such a, um, yeah, I mean, I think that cha that time changed a lot of people, but for me, that was a really big, like, wow, I am spending a, like I am alone uh, very much so. And then, um, yeah, it just has made all of the interactions with people much more important, um, to me, which is a good thing too. Um, yeah, I have kind of lost my train of thought, but that's okay. I think that, in today's world, computers are getting to the point where it's, they're indispensable in that, in how we use them. And because they've made so much possible. And I think that's really the key is, is they made so much possible and it, it seems like they make some things possible as well. It seems like they make it possible to have that life of, you know, like being able to, a computer can take care of that for me. A computer can take care of that. I can get this from the computer. Um, emotional needs, you know, met as, and I'm thinking of that, especially through the lens of like COVID and having to have my emotional needs met through a computer, like, and living alone or on my own separate from my family for the last four years as well as like, I've really only, I, my main form of communication, communication with my parents is through the phone. And I understand that they're on the other line and it's them on the other line, which is super like, that's where the emotional connection comes like that's, that's pretty cool. Like that's being able to do that is amazing. Um, and like the computer can get it to be so real with something that it's made, you know, so close to something like that with something that it's made, but it will never be that. Um, and, and, everybody knows what I mean when I say that, like just the, the being around a group of people and, and no one's distracted by the phone. Um, I think that's uh, something that I'm really hoping for and looking forward to is like when people aren't on their phones, I've noticed I'm happier and people all around me are generally happier. And it doesn't mean that phones are bad or that it's not a useful tool to have around you most of the time. But I do think that how we've grown up, especially with social media is like, it's almost expected to be 
part of a conversation at all times, but, um, you know, I, I don't know how to have an effective conversation with somebody who's looking at their phone. And I know that on the phone, there could be anything like there is an infinite possibility of things that that person could be looking at that are more interesting than me, you know, more interesting than what I've got to say and what I've got going on. Um, AirPods are sort of the same things. Like you never know what the person's saying. And then uh, deep down in that is like, man, like, like, I'm sure that it's, I know that that stuff is interesting. I know that it's, and I know that it makes more sense to talk to somebody that you like on the phone, like through the phone more than maybe if you are talking to people around you, like if somebody texts you, it's like, Oh, I'm going to reply to the text. Um, because the text is probably from somebody that you enjoy talking to more. Um, maybe sometimes it's not. Um, and that right there sends a signal to tons of people around you. It's like, Oh, this person, like I'm you, you're uninteresting. Um, and that's just like really, really tough to live with at all times. Cause it happens all the time. <laughs> and maybe there's a little bit of overthinking in that. Um, to like totally, but I mean, I've overthought it and I've gotten to this point where, that, I mean, that is what's happening. Like, I'm not wrong in that. Um, and so then it's kind of like, all right, what are we going to do about it? And, uh, for me, I, I haven't been getting on social media. I haven't been doing that. Um, I'll get on Instagram every once in a while to look through for some inspiration, but, uh, for the most part, social media is more of a comparative thing. Like anytime I open social media, it's like start comparing myself and, and that's a slippery slope as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean the, the important thing to realize, I think too, is that at the, the, these, these programs are still designed by humans. So there are going to be flaws and they're going to, you know, like Instagram is flawed in that way. Very, very deeply because it's like, it's only working on that system in the brain. That's like, show me something new, show me something new, show me something new, show me something new. And it'll give it to you. It'll give it to you again and again and again and again and again. It's like, wow. You know, I think that, (laughs) Uh, it's super easy to get overloaded in that way. I mean, I've talked to my professor, Dan Ibarra about this concept too, of social media, especially with graphic design in that there are, you know, like, like, for me as a young design student trying to find inspiration online, like where am I going to go? I'm going to go to Pinterest and I'm going to go to Instagram and I'm going to go look for things. And it's a great tool for that. Like amazing. But, or, and we talked about how that system of going and seeing new things, like it does trip up the dopamine system a little bit. And then you can like, you can spend all a lot of time looking for stuff. Um, and then you never really sit down and make, cause you're always working, you know, always working on something. And that's, that's very specific to artists and designers, I think like, but it's kind of the same concept that a lot of people run into like online porn, similar, similar thing. Um, it just keeps going and going and going forever. And like, that'll probably be its own podcast episode. Like I have a lot of experience, like (laughs) I got a lot of experience watching internet porn, which is not great, you know, but I think that that's, that's definitely where a lot of this thinking comes from for me is like, okay, so if it's people on the other end of all of this stuff, 
then that old adage that comes in and it's, it's like age old wisdom too. It's like you whoever you surround yourself with is who you're going to be. So it, then the question is like, okay, well, if, if these tools connect us to these people, then who am I surrounding myself with? You know, who are these people? And the, you have no way of knowing, like the way that you get to know people isn't through the phone. You don't trust something really that you see on the phone. I do way more frequently than I should um, because that's like, I don't know that many people. Like if, if I didn't have my phone, I would have very few like that my knowledge of the world would be much, much less, much, much less if we didn't have phones or, you know, documentaries or anything like that. So on that end, it's like you, you have to be able to trust the news on some level, or at least like where these stories are coming from. And, um, that's where these, this concept of like archetypes. And I, I listened to Jordan B Peterson and in and, and a few of his books, he talks about the concept of like archetypal characters and, um, you know, where we get our information from. And, uh, the first person that you have contact with in your life is your mom. Um, and then your dad, usually, depending on circumstances. And some people it doesn't work out that way. And that's unfortunate. But generally or and generally, that's how it works. And so when you think about the information that you're processing, really deep down, you think that it's coming from your parent, uh, your father or your mother. And that's where you've got to be really careful with all these news outlets because your father, uh, at least for most people, uh, for me is generally trustworthy. Uh, he can make up, you know, mistakes sometimes and have some issues, uh, and he can be duped by other people and, that causes some problems, but all those things can happen. And then they cause issues that we have to deal with. And eventually you get back to the point where it's like, okay, well, didn't work out that time, but I can try it again. Um, and I mean, that's a good, that, that works. But what I'm saying is that that happens with so much regularity on the internet. Um, of like, and, and you have to go through that process and like say that it's okay or hold on. No, no, no. Back up. That's not what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying that it's okay that these news sites lie. It's like, I'm saying that you trust them because that's where you think that the information's coming from, even though that's not where the information's coming from. And it's not coming from, from your parent, but you hear it and you, you think like, it's so hard to associate the computer with anything but the computer. Like, Oh, I heard, I saw it on the internet. It's like, that's so broad. Anybody like, you don't know who's on the other side of that window that you're looking into with the internet. And it's like, wow, the amount of things that I don't think I should trust because I've had no contact with the people on the other end of this. And it's like, if somebody's, it, it's, it comes down to, if somebody's willing to tell me this stuff to my face, when I can look at them and say, like, have all of my, my capabilities as a human to, interpret social signals and everything and and then still think that they're telling the truth that's when i'll trust somebody because then i can be like okay this person's generally trustworthy i can feel them out and see but we don't get that opportunity on the computer and then we're asked to make these massive life decisions based on the word of some people that we just can't 
get in contact with in real life. Um, and it doesn't work and it won't work and it won't be fixed and it won't be fixed like with holograms either, because that's, it's the same issue. It's the same problem. Um, and that's why I think computers will all like the tool of a computer has its uses, but it's also got its limitations that will always be there. I don't think they will ever be able to take, like you can make the most advanced AI in the world. It's still going to be missing that. And it's still going to be a communication of some other human through like a massive circuit of electrical signals, which I mean, you could argue is what a brain is, but like there's no, there's no soul. And, uh, I love that. I love that. Like it's because it means that we do have souls and that's a really good thing. And, uh, I mean, I, that's why I love art and graphic design too. Cause it's like, Oh, I get to tap into this, this place and this being, um, and it's a beautiful thing. And we spend so much time in places outside of that, um, and outside of interactions with people. And I'm not saying that the phone is to blame. I think that I, as I've said, like it, there are massive benefits. Um, I just think that we didn't like my generation is such a guinea pig generation in this way of nobody knew what some of the consequences were going to be. And they kind of don't expect people to be able to still think <laughs> about things. Um, and I say they in like a very conspiratorial sense. And I kind of don't like, I think this comes from the fact that I grew up in like <laughs> the Southern Baptist church, but I'm also very grateful for this because damn, if they don't do a good job of selling Satan um, and the fear that you should have of, of that. Uh, and in some ways, like that's very useful in, in thinking that way. And it's actually, um, another thing from Jordan Peterson, it's like you being naive about that and thinking like, Oh no, nobody's going to, you know, like actively try to sabotage my, my way of thinking in favor of their personal gain. It's like, um, totally will. Uh, and I will, I will do that too. Um, I'm not saying I'm innocent in that way. I think it's a very human thing to do. Um, but that will totally happen. It's like my generation is a guinea pig generation in that uh, we have access to that all the time. And that's why marketing feels so icky nowadays and it's exhausting. And that's why it's so hard to um, get some younger people to open up and look and see, um, especially some of my peers. And it seems like, you know, I'm talking from this place of, of like sort of backed up like thousand feet in the air. Um, probably because I spent fucking <laughs> three months alone during COVID. So I kind of had some time to think about some stuff and I've had some time to think about some stuff now. And, and so I'm thinking about some stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I don't think that the people older than me, wanted to cause all those things to happen for people of my generation, like being, being consumed by social media, having these somewhat like 
empty goals, um, pursuing so many things that are sort of like not worth pursuing, you know, I think it's super easy to get tripped up and like, I, you know, I don't think that's a unique thing to my generation. Um, I just think that the, like with the amount of stories that we have available to us, I just think that we should be more open to tapping into the real underlying meaning of a lot of stories, so sort of the subtext going on behind things versus like the the pretty pictures, the the pretty stuff that we can see, like what what's actually looking under the hood of a computer that essentially doing what Marcus Aurelius says to do for a lot of things like like sex, like it's a membrane entering an orifice that uh, was just a crazy way to describe sex, but whatever. Um, you understand what I'm saying? Like seeing a computer and it's like, okay, this is a motherboard with a lot of circuits and you know, I'm a body in space and being able to, to recognize that and then be like, okay, if, if that then, and I can, I have the ability to do all these things and I can make this place better. Um, that's great. But I think we have to understand it's like, we're, we're all in the same place. Like we're in, we're on earth. We don't travel somewhere. Maybe I'm just like saying all the things that I'm struggling, like I'm having a hard time with, which totally, yeah, that's, that is what happened is happening. It's like, I have a hard time staying grounded and, and I think that this is a, a decent solution, uh, in, in that seeing things for what they are. But then I think, you know, there's an element of that where it's kind of stripping away all of the memories and the emotional ties that I had from when I was a kid. Um, to that, like, I think doing that too much is super detrimental too. And I'm definitely running into that. Um, and that's not, that's not great. Um, another byproduct of probably being alone is like, all right, what, what is this thing now? It's like, oh, man, computers used to be so cool. <laughs> there used to be like so many cool things on the computer. And now it's like those things, one, aren't on the computer. Uh, they were just the place that I had to be exposed to them at the time. Um, and, and like the games that are on the computer, thinking about going through like all the games that I play, like that's experiencing those stories like okay well that's that was the place to to be and the thing to do at the time but now you know i can see you know all that's all that's happening is we're being connected through this computer it's like okay well why can't i just go and hang out with my friends in real life and then i ran into run into this problem where it's like damn you know I've, I've gotten used to hanging out with all my friends on the computer. How, uh, like not how do you hang out in real life? It's like, we're, we're f so far away. Like I'm very far away from my friends. And, uh, then it's like, all right, well, there's all these people in Minneapolis. Like there's, there's, fucking six million people here in Minneapolis, like six, five, six million people. I grew up around 3000, 3000 people. It's like, no, I have a very limited number of people that I can talk to really. Um, and Shawnee wasn't much bigger. You know, I got like, uh, shit, like 20,000, 25,000. 
in Shawnee, probably Shawnee, Oklahoma. Yeah. So 25,000 is like, that's still a very limited number of people cut out all the people that are older than me when I was younger. Um, that I can have like, you know, friendships with peerships. Um, cause I think you can, you can definitely have friendships up in age and mentorships and stuff, but like peers, what age are those people? It's like, okay, well that cuts it down to about like max, like 600, 700 kids. Uh, oh shit. Probably way more than that. Like in Shawnee, but then, uh, you know, in Kansas it's like, yeah, probably about no, not even, not even close to 600, 700. So maybe I'm not too far off. I'm not sure what the math is on like demographics, but um, limited demographics to say the least. And then you move to Minneapolis and it's like, oh, there's 7 million people. Uh, no, six, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's a, a considerably higher amount than in Kansas. Um, and then you think, okay, well, there's all my peers and Okay, so I shouldn't have any problem making friends. And it's like, well, everybody's on their phones. <laughs> everybody's on their fucking phones. And it's like, dude, you get like, there you're on your phones. Or in my case, like uh, I've run into this. Like, there's a lot of high school friends. Uh, people are friends from high school and. They haven't moved on, which fair enough. You know, I've got, I've got my friends I stay in contact with from high school. Love it. They're important to me and I value those friendships. And it's just like, you know, where are the people there were the, <laughs> I moved up here to make friends and it's like, I'm, I've got, I've got phones. I've got a lot of phones. <laughs> I got a lot of phones that I'm connected to. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, you know, that's, I mean, I don't know how to change that one. I can't like the, I mean, I do know how to change it. It's just like introduce yourself to more people. Uh, and that I've, it's been good. Like that's fine. But yeah, I mean, I just want to talk about phones, man. Um, and that's like, that's kind of where the state of the world is at. Really. I mean, I think that's deep down how a lot of people feel is like, damn, I don't I'm just not around very many people. Um, and there's the element is like, all right, well, that's just kind of how it is now with the phones. It's like, it doesn't have to be like the phones are a useful tool. And then we go and do things as people that people do. And we, we be, we be people. <laughs> we be people. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's just, it's super frustrating to try to get, my friends off their phones long enough to, um, see who they are. Uh, it like memes are really great communication of that in a deep way. Uh, and that's why memes are super, it's like you, Oh, I, it's hard for me to like, it tells me a lot about like who somebody is, when they, when they laugh at memes or don't laugh at memes or like what they laugh at. Um, and that was a huge way of like communicating with people. But then when you're off your phone, it's like, all right, what do we do? And people have a hard time. Like, you know, <laughs> don't know what to do when, when we're not on our phones. Cause then it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to get back on my phone again. And, uh, I don't know what to do about that one either. It's like, all right, we got to, we got to get off our phones. And the, the consequence of that might be that we end up doing some pretty dumb shit, uh, which is also fine as long as it's not too stupid, but 
it, it's just so much better off the phone doing dumb shit than doing dumb shit on the phone. Cause I've done that and it's not that fun. Um, it doesn't end up that fun. And then you, yeah, yeah. Not having fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's been my rant on phones and the state of the world. I have not offered any solutions. Um, that's what the future episodes are for. It is March 9th, 2023. I'm going to go get some food, some McDonald's. McDonald's is just down the street. That's another thing too. Fast food. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's another, that's another episode. That's another podcast episode. (laughs) Just talking about fast food and what fast food is. Um, I, this podcast, this podcast might actually turn into just a, a, a rambling of definitions, uh, like very complex definitions of what things are, and like actually breaking them down and, and thinking about them. It's like, what is McDonald's? It's what did it start as and what is it now? It's like, what is McDonald's now? McDonald's now is um, cut. This is the next episode. Ha <laughs> ha, psych. Don't get to get this right now. You've got to listen to the next one. Um, and I actually, <laughs> that's what McDonald's is right now. <laughs> no, it's, it's more complex than that, I'm sure. But yeah, I think that actually is probably where this podcast is going to go and what I'm going to be doing with it. Um, and that's kind of like, I'm also going to be talking about graphic design stuff. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and do the, do the 21st century thing. Um, but don't feel obligated to come back at any time. If you leave your phone and you never listen to this podcast ever again, Totally okay as well, because I'm going to take that as you going and having a good time. Um, Yeah. And it's like, damn, when we don't get attention from our phones, how sad are we then people? Yeah. When, when that thing doesn't pop up on your phone that you were kind of hoping for soul crushing, and then you get even more attached to your phone because it's like, ah, oh, I could, I could make it happen again. I could get, I could just keep searching. I could just keep searching. I could just keep searching and eventually I'll find something interesting. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you can, you can ride that wave for forever. You could to totally do that. That's an option. And it's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't end and it's not even a real wave. It's, it's, it's two sensory points. I've thought about that too. Okay. This podcast is not over. I thought I was going to end it, but I've, I'm still on this. It's two sensory points. Your phone is really only, I mean, minus like, you know, as a human being, we've got the senses. So there's touch, smell, taste, sight, and hearing. And a phone activates two of those, which is sight and hearing. It's like, that's not even enough. That's, 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 that's hardly, it's hardly enough, you know, like it doesn't, activate everything. And that's a good thing actually. Um, because it's like, Oh yeah, there's still a reason to be off. That's where the matrix comes in. It gets really scary. It's like, Oh, we need to, we need to get all the senses in here. It's like, no, you don't. It's 
okay like um but then we 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 think like oh man that amazing thing that i saw you're always trying to one up that amazing thing and we don't even remember what the amazing thing was at the beginning it's like because the sense is so overloaded like the hearing sense like the the most amazing thing you've ever heard the most beautiful song you've ever heard i would i like obviously it's a hard thing to narrow that down like because we've heard so many things nowadays it's like the sense is so overloaded so it's hard like you can't get away from it long enough to be like oh yeah this is what music has been for me like this is what this is for me this is what beautiful visuals are it's like yeah i mean obviously it's hard to get away from seeing things like that's a that's a that's a <laughs> maybe maybe this is a me problem because i love looking at so many beautiful things like the taste aspect is such a big deal for me with graphic design like being able to have a good sense of taste um is something that i kind of pride myself on too so feeling that be sort of dulled and dulled and dulled and dulled and dulled over time is like or not even dulled just reused over time is getting exhausting <laughs> um yeah i guess kind of like a palate cleanser for those two senses would be kind of nice but the best way to do that is um <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i i I don't know the best way to have a, a visual palette cleanser that isn't like, you know, I would say awful things are not palette cleansers. I'd say that's a, that's a no go. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the end of the episode. All the stuff that I said earlier still applies. Uh, you can, Never listen to this podcast again. Goodbye. <laughs>